The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, David Williams, along with Mr. Isaac Simpson. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. We missed the post game last night. The uh, 8.30 tip time was kicking my butt. I had to be up early this morning. Isaac, yeah. what would you think about the <coughs> game last night, man? Yeah, man, 8, 8.30 is rough, man. 8.30 on a weeknight is not 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 something that I want to see often, but uh, it was a fantastic game. I mean, the, the, the game had a playoff feel, playoff atmosphere. Uh, you could tell both teams knew how important this game was, and, and it was a well-played game. The Grizzlies played pretty well last night, and, and I just, even though the game was close and it was back and forth, I just always felt like the Grizzlies were going to win the game, and it just did not happen that way at the just kind of a, a roller coaster of emotions. At the end of that game, you uh, you get uh, Grayson and JV fighting for a rebound. Grayson comes down with the rebound. You're like, they're up by two. I can't remember what time, how much time was on the clock, but they're up by two. Grayson's going to the line, 91% free throw shooter. We're good. He's going to go knock down two, and the game's going to be over. So yeah. he, he gets the rebound. He goes down. He misses the first one. And you're like, man, that's surprising, but he, no way he's going to miss two. Even even if he makes this one, worst case scenario, they hit a three and we go to overtime, and that's unlikely. And then he misses the second one. And I'm like, oh my god, man! You got <laughs> got Luka Doncic out there. You got the Porzingis. Mm-hmm. These guys that can make these tough threes. So the Dallas calls a timeout. And uh, one thing that I observed there is, I'm why is JV in the game at that point on a, yeah. on a last second defensive possession? I think you should have had Brandon no Clark in there on the five. Me. Like I don't. Understand none, that one at all, but none at all, man. It, but Luca, Luca, you're not gonna have him guarding the inbounder if you're not gonna have him like trying to smother the inbounder. Yeah, I put him on the bench. Yeah, but, I didn't get that. Know, I didn't he, get that one at all. And, um, and he didn't. You know, it, it's not to say that he. You know, he he had a decent game. Uh, you know, it, probably he played a little better defensively than what I expected, and yeah. that was. You know, they they didn't really have a great answer for Porzingis. He's just a tough guy to cover. His his size, his length, his skill set. There's not really a you know a cookie cutter guy on this roster. What well, there's not really anybody outside of Jaron that yeah. has a chance to guard him heads up. Kyle would be your next best option, and I, Kyle just doesn't have the length. No, um, he did. He did. Right. He did about about as best as he could do. I think he yeah. did a okay job, probably the best you could expect. But yeah, he's just such a matter of problem for anybody. Like you said, Jared is probably the the only guy that you could have that we even come close to kind of just matching up with him. But um, that last possession, and Luca somehow splits the double team and, and knocks down a one handed push shot um, yeah, at the buzzer, and it, it was tough because uh, the, the, the Pete and Brevin were saying it was a two. I thought it was a two initially, and then kind of waited and they showed the replay and I'm like oh my god that's a three man and the game is over it's just a tough loss man especially coming on the heels of the game against New York where you feel like that's one that you had and let that one slip away couldn't knock down free throws so it they've had some 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 heartbreak and some tough losses here lately and last night was one I mean I think that you really had opportunity to kind of put some pressure on Dallas now Dallas has the easiest schedule remaining in NBA so it's probably it was probably going to be tough to catch them at seven, I think that's probably more likely that Dallas moves up to six and that you could possibly catch Portland, especially we got three games remaining yeah. with the Blazers. I think that's probably more possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas ended up in that sixth spot looking at their schedule. Uh, so that's something to watch. But uh, just a tough situation, man, a game that you felt like you won. And does it's tough for Grayson because, I mean, a fantastic game. Knocked down six threes in that game. Uh, just a, a big game for him, 23 points. And 
to come down to that and knock out. Well. Yeah, knocked yeah. out, missed two free throws, ninety-one percent free throw shooter. I think the only, the only time he's ever missed two since he's been in the NBA was very early in his rookie season. He missed two back to back. So P- Peter Edmiston, he actually he tweeted about it. The the last time that Grayson missed two consecutive free throws in a game was February of 2019. Yeah. Before last last night, before that game, Grayson was 15 of 16 from the free throw line in the fourth quarter when the the margin of the game was within five points or less. 15 yeah. of 16 in the fourth quarter, and he hadn't missed two consecutive since 2019. So we are uh, two, two years and two months since he's missed two in a row. When he got fouled, I'm like, it's over. Yeah, the, the it's Grizzlies over. win. Like it, this is this out of anybody on the team that you want taking the free throws. That's the guy. That that's it. I'm like, if it's him or Bain, man, it's it's done. Like they're making free. We're good. And uh, I, I just got a nasty feeling in my stomach when he missed that second. He missed the first one. I'm like, okay, he can still yeah. make it. It's a three point game. Yeah. I'm like, they're probably not gonna hit a three. They could, but worst case scenario, we go to overtime, and I. The way the Grizz have been playing, I feel like they could still win in overtime if it came down to that. But he missed that second one just like you, man. I had a, a a sick feeling in my stomach. I'm like, man, this this shades of the New York game. When you miss free throws, have a chance to close it out, and you don't. It just seems like something always ends up happening. Carmina comes to get you, and that's what happened. Uh, but I that, man, that, that grin that, that Luca had on his face after he hit that shot, man. It's <laughs> so tough, so tough to watch, man. But big-time players yeah. make big-time shots, man, and he – he knocked down a crazy one and and and, and go he back knew to crazy. it, man. Yeah, he knew he, it was he a did. crazy shot. He, he was just kind of laughing because, you know, he hit that step back in the bubble that was crazy. Yeah, and, and that shot is that's something that you shoot, but the shot that he hit to win the game against that's not something you practice. You know, it, it just it was just crazy. I think somebody called it like a. a the uh, backyard bullcrap shot. And that, yeah. that's kind of what it was, man. You know, it, it went in, it was effective. It got him the win, but it just, it, it's not a shot that you practice. You can't, you cannot practice that shot. And so he, uh, he, he knocked it down. The Grizzlies lose. Then there was some, uh, some stuff post game that kind of got interesting. John Morant, I, I want to say it was like four minutes after the game yeah. ended. He said, if you are a Grizzlies fan and you're bad mouthing my teammates, go cheer for another team. And and I love that. I love because there are going to be times that we're hard on people. Like, you know, you can't we, – we've said it before. Nobody's above criticism. But what do the Grizzlies do different? How do you stop that shot from Luka? I was gonna say, Luca even said after the game, he said he's not even sure he ever looked at the rim, and I believe I believe that. That's, <laughs> like you said, that's just one of those things that you practice in your backyard. You just throw up and see if you can get it to go in. I mean, that was just a crazy shot. Like he probably takes that shot a hundred times, he might make it six, seven times out of hundred. Yeah. I mean, that's not not the shot that you're gonna see somebody make. I mean, I don't you can't even draw it. I don't even know what you call it. Like you said, it he, just he did look like something you throw the- up in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, between he, two he ducked in between two guys. He ducked <laughs> in between two guys and slung it up there, and it went in. And, and that's you know th- they didn't play that possession badly. Grayson missed those free throws. Completely unfortunate. I hate that that he missed it. Obviously, he makes one of them. It's a different game. Maybe Luca misses that three. The press. Yeah. Who you never know. You never know. But 
watching that game last night, the, the energy was good from go. The, the Grizzlies knew. They came out ready. Dylan said in the interview uh, before the game, you know, he's like, our, our level of intensity has got to step up. If we want to make the playoffs, we, we have to bring it every single night. And so the guys know that, and, and they were ready. They were ready for that game. Like you say, that game felt like a playoff game. Just came up short against – are the Grizzlies supposed to beat the Mavericks? I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pretty close matchup, and, and that's – it could go either way, and that's just how it happened last night. Last night, it did not go the Grizzlies' way, even though they had a lot of things go right for them. Yeah, just if, didn't, if, if, the, if the Grizzlies are fully healthy, I think I think personally think the Grizzlies are the better team. If you have Jerry and uh, DeAnthony and Justice, I think – I think the Grizzlies have a, a slight advantage there, but uh, I mean they just haven't had Jaron, especially they haven't had him all year, so it just kind of is what it is at that point. But um, yeah, man, it, it, it's a tough one. One that you felt like you had on your home floor, um, and, and I like what Dylan said, like you said before the game, that they understand it. But it, it, it's kind of contradictory to, to something that I want to talk about just here in just a second that we heard from from after the game. But you talk about that jaw tweet. Uh, I mean, it was. Literally, I mean, four minutes. I don't even know how he got the tweet off because I think the, the they said the Lucas shot was at ten fifty eight, and that tweet came out like eleven oh four, eleven oh two, or something. Yeah. And they they would have still been reviewing because the game didn't end there. They had to review the shot and everything. I mean, I don't know. He got that thing off in record time, man. I don't know how he got that tweet off, but people kind of speculated that someone in the crowd must have said something to him or something. But he. He got on there and got that thing out quick, man. And that, that's kind of what I took from it. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. I This is something I'll let you get. I know there was uh, something you wanted to talk about. I, I think Jenkins said something that you want to discuss. But before we get into that, Jenkins said that Justice Winslow would, would play by the end of the week. Yeah. Why in the hell is he not playing in this game? Why is he <laughs> not playing? You cannot tell me that he is just going to magically be healthy by Friday. This is a team, if you win that game, you're within a half game of this team for the seven, for the seven seed. And Justice Winslow, it would be a, a phenomenal defensive matchup against Luka. Why the 100%. hell is he not playing? He's Man, not I just going to do that. That burns me up so bad. Like they, They've handled injuries weird all year, but that's the dumbest crap. I, I, if he comes out and plays Friday in this Bulls game, I'm just going to shut it off. I'm just shutting the TV off. I'm done. No more podcast for the rest of the season. I'm out. Like, <laughs> well, what, I, I, I kind of commented on what, what Jenkins said earlier in the week when he, when he said that. He, he, it's kind of like, and, 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 and I don't know if he just let this slip, but it's kind of like they had a target date. And I'm starting to think that's just kind of what they do. Like there's a certain date that they have in mind that these guys are going to come back, and no matter what happens, they're not coming back before then. And I've seen uh, – Sane was in Atlanta uh, the last week at the Atlanta game, and he posted a video pregame, and Justice was out there shooting, shooting around, running, cutting, and that didn't look like there was anything wrong with him. So I, th there's no way that he couldn't have played last night. Like, I don't, I don't know what they – I don't know. I, I don't know if they just tell guys, well, uh, no, man, you, they, they are, how are you? They come to ask them, how are you feeling? They were like, I'm good to go. Well, man, no, I think you better – Better miss a couple more games. I don't. I don't know what it is. It's just weird. Like these guys seem to be ready to play. Like Jared. Like I just. It doesn't look like he's hurt to me. 
Like, I, I don't know what's going on and why they handle these injuries like this, but it, I refuse to believe that Justice can't play from what I saw a week ago, what he was doing out there. And you look at these guys, just soreness. And that's just like something that you see guys missing this many games for on other teams. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, it's at some point there has to be something that means more than a a, a set date. And to and, me, that game this far into the season, the like that game, what it means, what it could have done for him, that game is bigger than waiting two more days. If he's not ready on Wednesday, he damn sure is not going to be ready on Friday. Yeah. It does, your body does not heal that fast. It doesn't happen. If he's going to be ready to play on Friday, his body was ready for him to play on Wednesday. There's certain, if it was, you know, an ankle roll, something like that, you need a couple more days to rest. I get that, but he's already missed, you know, he's a little over two weeks now he's been out and you tell us he's going to be back by the end of the week. Those two days don't make that much difference. To me, this game was more important than him getting two more days of rest. And what kind of frustrates me is I, I've talked to a lot of people this week, and, and since Justice has been out the second time, they're like, here, he, here we go again. He's injury-prone. This is always going to be the case. And it, it frustrates me because others, I don't think there's much wrong with him. And that, that's what kind of frustrates me. They're like, oh, well, look how long he's been out. He just come back, and he's out. I think they're holding him out longer than he needs to be, and that frustrates me because it fits into this narrative that people want to have about him, and I, I just I don't like it. I, I don't. I feel like that when these guys are ready to play, they should let them play. Like you said, big game last night. If he can play this weekend or if he plays Friday or if he plays Saturday, he could have played last night, especially from what I saw of him working out before they let the game in Atlanta. I just think that he could go if they let him, and I, I don't understand it. I mean, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, how they handle injuries and how weird it is, but it's – I don't know. Um, it just kind of frustrates me because I feel like he could go and – People are saying how injury prone he is, and he does, just doesn't want to play, and uh, I mean, all, and all that stuff. And I, I just don't think that's the case. Man, I muted Chandler Parsons and just flat out Chandler <laughs> on Twitter because I was so bad, man. <laughs> it, it, it's I, I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It, it. it is not this situation is not even remotely close to the same thing. No, the only thing that is similar is the fact that they are both they have both have both had injury issues that's it that's the only similarities the contracts are different what they gave up to get justice completely different the the caliber of player there's the timeline the age of where they there's so many things that are different and that's what just because of the scars of the, you know, we, we give Chandler Parsons or the Grizzlies give Chandler Parsons a hundred million dollars. And then he plays what, like 35 games. Yeah. So it, it, it's not, it's not, not every injury is Chandler Parsons. And I get sick of seeing it. And like I said, I, I had to mute it because I don't want to, there there's times I've got to rein myself in. I see a conversation and I just want to get in there And, you know, Sane is the king at this. Like he will, he'll get in there and he'll fire back with these people. And I don't have the energy for it, man. I can't do it. I'm like, man, it's not. And the people giving up on him this early, 
I don't know what to tell you, man. You're, you're just too pessimistic. If, if you have given up, if you're a Grizzlies fan and you have given up on Justice Winslow already, I, I'd hate to be around you in life because there's no way you're living your best life if you're that pessimistic. Yeah, Parker from GPB put out a tweet today and saying that it's exactly that. And, and I commented on it and said that these people are crazy that they're giving up on him. And, and I had people come and saying, well, he's just not very good, blah, blah, blah. And I'm I'm looking at him like he's, he's shooting 12% for three right now. He's, a, I think, a 33% career three-point shooter. Had a couple seasons where he shot 38%. One was a injury riddle season, but one he played 66 games and shot like 30, 38% on four attempts a game. So that's a lot, lot different from 12%. And he's not a great offensive player, but he's much better than what he's shown here. This is not normal offensive production from Justin Winslow. He's better than what he's shown. And people, are, I think the majority of people now, even people that are usually pretty level-headed, have kind of kind of off on him right now. And I just think you just got to give the guy a chance. I mean, he's been out almost two years. I mean, you gotta, that's the way you got to look at this situation. I mean, defensively, he, he's been fine. I mean, he's been really good defensively. I, I think the offense is going to come. Again, he's not a great offensive player, but he's much better. He's not a 12% shooter either. He's better than that. And and the one thing, I mean, he can get to the basket. Uh, and he would have been great last night. Uh, you you, you could have thrown DB and Justice at, at Luka. Maybe that would have tired him out. Maybe he would have hit some of those shots. Yeah, he would have had order, so. no time off. He would have had zero no. time off with with Justice and DB. And, and that's not everybody on your roster is going to be a 20 points per game guy. Justice Winslow is not a 20 points per game guy. He does not have to be. The Grizzlies don't need him to be. He can be a 10 to 15 points per game guy, be a secondary playmaker to Ja, and be a great defender. And that's what he is. And I had somebody, have, I asked somebody today to tell me, told me that Contrar is better than Justice Winslow, and like, that, man, not take it, that, take anything away from from John Contrar. I love Jitty, but man, come on, man. I, I, I'm like, yeah. do you actually watch basketball and know the impact that that Justice Winslow can have on this team defensively? I mean, he's not even healthy. This guy's been out two years. I'm telling you that they're going to pick up the option. I know a lot of people don't want that to happen, and they're upset about it. And unless he doesn't come back and play this year, or there's some something major going on injury-wise, I think they pick up the option. They're too far into it right now, and I think that's almost something that you have to do. you got to give the guy a chance to be healthy for a full season and get a look at him before you give up on him. So I think they pick up the option, but come on, man. I was like, I, I just said LOL and just moved, moved on. I couldn't even comment on it. That's that's craziness. Yeah, I, I don't see I, – I agree with you. I don't see that there's any way, shape, or form – that they don't pick up that option. I, I think that he's 100% a Grizzly next year. If nothing else, even if they've made up their mind that, okay, he's not going to be a part of the long-term plan, which I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's way too early, and I think that they're way too smart for that to be the case. But if that is the case, you let him get healthy. You pick up that option. You play him next year. And if he comes out and he's showing what he's capable of and it's not what you want, he's young enough that you can trade and get assets for him. Somebody's going to give you something for him and it's going to be an expiring contract. There's so many things that brings value, but I want him to be a part of this team. I think that he is going to be a great fit. Health is obviously a concern because, you know, I say he's missed two years. He's had a lot of injuries throughout his career he may be a guy 
possibly that just never gets healthy. I hope that's not the case because I would love to see this roster full strength with him and Jaron and everybody else healthy. I think it's going to be fun to watch, and I think they're going to be very dangerous. Yeah, I 100% agree, and that's the thing. I mean, we haven't seen this team with their full complement of, complement of players. I mean, you get Jaron back, you get Justice back in, in in this lineup, and I mean, I think this team can be dynamic. I mean, you could when you could throw DB and Justice at the the opposing best wing. I mean, that's better than a lot of teams. What a lot of teams can do defensively, and I want to see that look, especially with Jaron and what he brings. I mean, that could be fantastic. But I think you got to give this guy a chance, and like you said, I don't think there's any way they don't pick up that option bar and something crazy that happens here for the rest of the rest of the season. But before we move on from, from this Dallas game, I wanted to, to come in on some, some, something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way after the game. I might be looking too deep into it. I want to get your thoughts on it and what you think about it. But uh, John and, and Coach Jenkins were both asked about the game and, and kind of the lessons that was learned from this game and how they feel about, about it and how the game ended. And they both basically just said, they felt good because they felt like they played well in the game. And I know the front office kind of has that mentality that this is a developmental season and the wins and losses are, are, are secondary or maybe even third uh, in the pecking order of what, what's important here. But when I, when I look at the situation, I don't know if I want my players and coaches to be saying that openly. I think if, if, if I'm a player, if I'm playing for the Grizzlies last night, I'm mad um, after the way that happened, especially with – the way they've kind of thrown some games away this season, you, the, coming back shortly after the Knicks game, game that they felt like they, I know they felt like they should have won. I'm just kind of, I don't know. That's just kind of not the mentality that I would want them to, to, to have coming out because I think I'd be pissed off after the way their game plays off last night. What, what are you kind of your thoughts on that? Uh, all right. So I'm going to play, I'm on the same side as you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to play their side of it. Good. So, Look at the game and the good things that you can take away from this game. Developmental season, just like you said. Games like this, they're going to build character. You, you have to play in games like this in order to improve. The Grizzlies have done that. They played, they lost to the, the Bucks by one point. They lost to the Nuggets by one point. And now that they've lost to the Mavericks by one in the game. And these are all playoff teams. You know, the Bucks got a, a really good shot to come out of the East, even though everybody's already crowning the Nets. I still like the I like the Bucks. I think that they can do it. Drew Holiday is a huge ad for them. There's a lot of positives that come from this game. And all the the one shot at the end, that's a like I say he shoots that shot a hundred times. He's making it six or seven times. And for me, I can live with that. I hate that the game ended that way. I don't want to lose that way. But sometimes that's just how it is. So I would want them, personally, I'm, I'm with you. I would want them to be, you know, no, we, we don't want to lose this game. We yeah. could have done this different. We could have done this different. But overall, it was a good performance from the Grizzlies. Oh, there, wasn't no really, there was not one thing that you can look at this game and be like, man, they were super crappy here or they were super crappy here. There were mistakes throughout the game, but overall, top to bottom, it's a playoff team. They they played well. They were in the game. They had a great chance to win it. Just kind of threw it away at the end with the, the missed free throws, and that just shows – I've said on this show probably 100 times or more, free throws win championships, man. 
that that's you have to make free throws and, and you're not going to make a hundred percent of your free throws, but when it matters, you've got to make them. And, and the Grizzlies have, you know, over the last week, you see the Knicks game in this game and he, even that Pacers game they they missed, you know, late in that game, they were missing some free throws and they yeah. could have, they could have won that game had they been knocking down free throws. And, and that's just another part of the game that, kind of gets overlooked a lot, but it, but it's just as important as anything else. Yeah, I can, I can agree. I can, I understand that. Um, and when you look at last night's game, uh, outside of some blowouts they've had, I mean, the Clippers game comes to mind. Uh, that's probably, especially against a good team, one of the most complete games they played all year. And that's another reason why it's so tough, because, I mean, they played really well in that game. I mean, you just look down the stat sheet, uh, and, and you look at some of these things, you probably think they won the game. I mean, you get... Grayson was 6'11 from three. Uh, Bain was being really aggressive. He was three or six. I really like to see that. Uh, I mean, they played well uh, as a team. It's just, like you said, man, sometimes some crazy things happen. Uh, Grayson Allen goes to the line and, and shoots. He's not going to miss two free throws. He'd probably go to the line a thousand times and probably wouldn't miss two free throws back to back. But sometimes some crazy things happen, man. Misses two and Luca hit a crazy shot. Again, that's big time players make big time shots like that, man. That's not the. First time and not the last time he's going to make a crazy shot to win a game, but it's it's tough, man, when you're on your own floor and you and you feel like you have a have a game one like that, especially when you've let a couple slip away here of recent. But uh, again, man, they got to move on, and we're going to talk move on and talk about the seven game road trip they got coming up. Starts tomorrow night in Chicago, where Zach Levine is in a health and safety protocol. When I first started thinking about that, I was just kind of thinking about the impact that him not playing would have on the floor, but. Hopefully everything's okay because Grizzlies just played the the, the Bulls yeah. a couple of days ago. So I'm hoping that's everything's okay with the Grizz. Yeah, I, I was when I saw that, I'm like, well, the Grizzlies caught a break, and then I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that's the same ooh. thing I was thinking. I didn't even think about it at first. But yeah. I'm like, they, yeah. So uh, hopefully everything's uh, okay. Yeah, for sure. Before we dig into this, though, I, I had mentioned we were talking about Dylan, Dylan, and his foul issues. I think what uh, what post game was that? I think it was the last, last one we did. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all kind of running together for me. Yeah. We were talking about Dylan and foul trouble. So his the last game that he fouled out this season was actually uh, December twenty sixth against Atlanta. Uh, he's had quite a few five plus fouls games, but there's really only been two that that have affected his playing time. There was one; both of them were in March, uh, the nineteenth against Golden State and the thirty first against Utah. But he played over twenty, or he played twenty-four minutes in the Golden State game and twenty-eight minutes in the in the game against the Jazz, even with the five fouls. So, you know, he he has had a tendency to get the fouls, but they don't seem to be affecting his playing time this year. The one thing that they do, um, I was going through digging around in the games that Dylan has played this season, when he's had five plus fouls, his net rating is a combined negative thirty-eight. In the games that he wow. plays with three or less, his net rating, massive turnaround here. He's a plus 91 in the games that he's a, a three or less fouls. He's plus 91. Yeah, he had some wild, wild swings. I can't remember who that was. It was, a, I think, a national NBA writer kind of commented on how some of his plus, plus minus ratings are, are crazy depending on different things that you plug in. I mean, they said he's one of the like the wildest ones they've ever seen. That That, that is insane and that's a big 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 difference there yeah i i uh, i really thought that there was going to be more but I, I was just scrolling through looking and it's like 
28 minutes, 27 minutes, 27, 29. So even in the games when he's getting in foul trouble, it seemed like a lot of them are happening later where it's not really costing him any time on the floor. And that's that's big growth compared to where he was last year. I didn't look it up and write down the numbers, but I, I would guarantee you that there are a number of games from last season where he was right around the 18 to 22 minute mark yeah. because of foul trouble. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of games last year where he, they needed him and he just wasn't available because of fouls. And when I think back this season, most of the games that I can remember him having five fouls or, or being in foul trouble were games where they were winning big and they didn't, didn't really, it didn't really hurt him. And, and I'm thinking maybe in, in games that are, that are closer that he's, being smarter and, and, and not fouling in, in those times to stay on the floor when it's kind of a game where they feel like they have it in hand. Maybe he's a little bit more aggressive at times. Because I'm trying to think that, that those are the games. I know that Atlanta game, they were up uh, pretty big in that one. Uh, and I'm trying to think of some other games. But as far as I can remember, those seem like to be the games where he has a lot of fouls, games where they're up pretty big. Yeah, maybe plays a little bit looser in those games yeah. because of the lead. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. The one thing, you know, even at that that plus 91, the Grizzlies record in, in those 25 games, it was it was not as great as what you would think it would like whenever I added that up, I wasn't paying attention to wins losses and I went back and counted it. I didn't write it down for whatever reason, but you know, they were right around 500 in the games when he was, you know, three or less fouls. So it doesn't, you know, even being a, a plus 91 over those games it doesn't make that much difference on the impact of winning. As it, there was not a he hits this number and then they win, or he hits this number and they lose. They were it was pretty close across the board. Whether it was three fouls or six, the the record stayed around the same. Yeah, Peter Everson put out a stat, uh, some some crazy stuff with Ja. Um, I think, and I can't remember exactly what the record was. Um, I think it was when Ja scores fifteen or more, and it was like. Really bad uh, when he scores more than 15 points, and they were saying, I think it was him insane saying they didn't understand what it was. And my theory, kind of on that, is when 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 he's he's usually not super aggressive unless the rest of the guys are struggling. Like when when in games where he goes big, it's usually in games where the other players are are, are not playing well. When when other players are playing well, that's usually he's not usually not as aggressive. He's more passive and and making assists and scoring. And I think. When, when those games where he goes big and he's really aggressive is because they're losing usually because other guys aren't playing well. And that, that was kind of my theory on why when he scores more than 15 points, the record is bad. Cause I think he usually only go, gets that aggressive when he feels like he has to, to take over late in games when other guys aren't pulling their weight, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably accurate. I was trying to look back while you were talking about it. I thought I saved that and I didn't, um, yeah, I can't remember what the record was, but it was way below 500 when he scores over 15. And I think they were, like, really good when he scored, like, less than eight points maybe. I can't, can't remember what it was. But when he, when he scores in single digits, they usually win, which you you're, you think that's your best player, your, your quote-unquote superstar player. That is a weird stat to, to kind of see that when he doesn't really score, that's when they're better. Um, and, and I think, again, that kind of goes to my point. I think when – he, because he's so important outside of not just scoring, but with the way he passes the basketball, and, and when he's making those plays and not taking them himself, uh, that that's usually when guys are playing well because he sets guys up and puts them in great position to finish. And I think that's kind of what that is. I wish I had those numbers in front of me, but it, it was some some crazy stuff. And it's weird to think that your 
your superstar player or your best player of your team that you're better when they don't score. Well, I think that speaks to his skill set, though, man. Yeah, you know, it does. You, you hear Ja, ja talking, and, and he always says, I'm a pass-first guy. Yeah, a lot of people say so, that, and they don't really mean it, but when he says yeah. it, he, he's, he's telling the truth. Yeah, and, and that is when he is playing pass-first and the guys are knocking down the shots because he's going to make a move to get them open. Yeah. He, he, his vision is off the charts. His ability to get the ball where he needs to get it he he's just you can tell that he's a pass first guy because of the way that he gets the ball where it needs to go and and so i think it was parker it was one of the grizzly bear blues guys that said so you're telling me that the grizzlies are better when everybody eats and that's a fact yeah, yeah we we, we talked about it in uh in post games before when you see 6 7 8 guys in double figures the grizzlies are winning that game yeah, I remember and, I think and a it was lot that, of the, times the Charlotte game at Memphis. There was one that we were talking about. It was just a perfect box score. I mean, everybody had like you had like seven or eight guys with with nine, ten, eleven points on the team, and that's when the Grizzlies win. That's usually what you see in the box score. And you kind of look at at the, at the game last night, and it was kind of like that last night. And that box score looks like what it usually looks like when the Grizzlies win. When mm-hmm. Grizzlies knock down threes, and you have five or six guys in double figures, that's usually what their winning box scores look like. And again, last night was a game. I mean, just where a guy hit a crazy shot. I mean, the Grizzlies had control for most of the game and just kind of let it slip away. But again, Grayson's not going to go to the free throw line and miss two probably ever again. So it's just sometimes some crazy things happen, and that that's kind of what happened in that game. You you give me that scenario, the rest of the season and the rest of these games, and the Grizzlies are well above five hundred. Oh, no doubt. If if every game comes down to Grayson Allen at the free throw line. The Grizzlies are winning the majority of them. Just the facts of the situation. Bad luck. It's a fluky type thing that happens. That's why you play the game. It's not played on paper. It's played on the court. Let's get into this road trip now, man. First game, you started off. You're talking about the the Bulls without Levine. I've not heard. You know, we got the announcement that Levine entered the uh, health and safety protocols. And... So far, no news on the Grizzlies or anybody else that they have played. Yeah. So it makes me think that that we're probably in the clear because you would think by this time we're yeah, recording. It's, it's Thursday about 9 o'clock when we're recording this show, and there's not been any other kind of announcements saying that anybody else has been affected by this. So Levine entering the, uh, the health and, and safety protocols, good thing for the Grizzlies. That makes this game – this game was probably the most winnable game – of the seven game road trip, they just beat the bulls. I think they should do it again. Yeah. Right before we came on here, I put a tweet out that with, with the Grizzlies losing three or four, uh, coming, coming into this game. And you kind of look at the other six games on this road trip. I, I think this was already probably the easiest game of the trip, just like you said. And now with Levine out, I, I think this is almost a must win. I think, and, and it's crazy to say that. I mean, we, you know, this, Again, we we talked about this team is in, in a developmental mode, so no game is really a must win. But if if you're going to be a play-in team and, and make this play-in and try to try to keep pace and, and keep the teams behind you off your back, I think this is one that they got to win. Looking at those other six games on this road trip, something that that just kind of hit me. All right, I've I've thought about it a little bit. I wonder if there's any friction between the players right now. 
and the coaching staff in the front office. There doesn't appear to be. We don't see any of it. No, because, I mean, they always, the company company line, like we kind of talked about that with Jared Jackson, and you had all these people saying, oh, we'll see that. If, if, if everything was going on, he'd be mad, he'd be upset. Even if there was, I, these these are the type of guys on this team I don't think that would really come out and say that. We got a, we got some good guys on this team, and that, that doesn't mean that they're nice or they're not always going to say the right thing, but I think we got a bunch of good guys, and I don't think it's, bad enough at this point to where they're going to be going calling out the front office and i mean you got some young guys still guys on rookie contracts guys that, that want to get paid they're not going to come out strong against this front office so i i don't always take everything a player says at face value there could be some stuff going on behind the scenes that you don't know about but i think a lot of people kind of took that and ran with it like that meant everything was okay yeah it just the the mindset that dylan has had from day one of the season and the interviews that he continues to have talking about, we've got to step up the intensity. We've got to do this. We got to do that. And then it's, yeah, it's a developmental, developmental season. season yeah. And it's like, mm, man, you, you can't help but wonder. And that's it. This is because I know I've not if heard it, anything. Yeah. I've if it was me, seen anything, it's, if not, I, it's go ahead. I was going to say, if I was, if I was on the team, that would upset me a little bit. I mean, I guess a lot of people, people may think different than me. I know a lot of, fans that I talk to, they disagree. They think it's fine to be in developmental mode. And, and I'm not 100% against developmental mode. I just think that if you are farther advanced than, than you should be, I think you should treat it that way. I mean, I know it's a second year of a rebuild, but if you're at a point to where you're competitive, where you could be six, seven, eight seed, I think you should play like you should be a six, seven, eight seed. I don't think you should just say, oh, well, this is a developmental season if we end up six or whatever, that's fine. I think if you can be six, I think you should try to be six. And that's just kind of my mindset. And I, I know the front office, if you talk to them, they d disagree with me. But I, I would think as a player, I would think that's kind of how I would feel. And, like, going into last night, that's why they kind of surprised me that they guys were kind of just saying, oh, well, we lost the game. It was a, t a tough love. They didn't even say it was a tough loss. They just kind of said we, we felt like we played great, so everything's okay. And, and that's just kind of a different – mentality than I would have. And I would think there has to be some of that. Like you said, you listen to DB and, and he talks about how we're locked in. And if we're going to be, they're talking playoffs and we're a playoff team, we got to do this. We got to do that. And then to, to hear developmental season, you got to think there has to be some thought somewhere there. Yeah. Yep. Nobody will convince me otherwise that there is definitely, it's not all rainbows and butterflies in that clubhouse. I, I just don't for one second believe that it is. And that's, I, I don't think it's crazy turmoil and it's just going to come to a head. And blow no, no. I don't think it's that. But these guys are too competitive. Yeah, I mean, ja, we have to compete. Yeah, John, DB, JV, you know, all these guys. You, you look at these guys and, and you, the, the stuff that they're saying in the interviews, they're too competitive to just be okay with losing. I, I don't think that that is ever going to be the case. So we both agree. We think that they're going to win the Bulls game tomorrow night in Chicago. They go from Chicago to Milwaukee where back to back. Yeah. Giannis has been missing some games, but there was speculation that he would be back. Don't know. Uh, the, the Grizzlies may dodge another bullet here and get the bucks without Giannis. Well, he actually came back. He played tonight. Uh, oh, did he? See, I, yeah. I hadn't watched. Last, I hadn't last watched time I checked, yeah. Last time I checked, I think he had 11 points he, and it was in the fourth quarter. So I don't think, I saw some people kind of talking about it and they said he looked, he didn't look right like he wasn't 100%. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Maybe they set him out another game. It's not a back-to-back -back or anything, and they don't play the next night after that. I don't even think they play again until Tuesday after that Saturday game. So 
we'll see. But he was back. Uh, but I looking at his numbers, he didn't seem like he was his normal self. But I think they did get the win, or they were up pretty big in the fourth quarter last time I checked. So uh, I thought possibly the Grizzlies could dodge two bullets there when I heard Levine, but I checked the box score and saw that he did play tonight. So it, that that's going to be a, a tough one, even even without uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the That's a, a good team, especially on, on their home floor. Yeah, Bobby Portis has played very well in Giannis's absence. And, and again, you still have, even without Giannis, you have Drew Holiday, which is a great NBA player. Chris Middleton, all-star. Brooke Lopez is an underrated big man. Dante DiVincenzo is playing well this year. Yeah. Bucks are a tough team, and that's why, you know, I, I'm not crowning the Nets. That you, you have got to play defense in the playoffs. And I'm not sure that anybody on that Brooklyn team can even spell defense at this point. And so that, that's why I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn comes out of the East, but it's definitely not going to be a cakewalk. They're not going to 4 0 everybody. Like, you know, you, you look at uh, a lot of fans and they're all, Brooklyn has already penciled in, they're winning the East. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be that easy for them, guys. No, I, I agree with you. Defensively, I mean, they, are horrible. I mean, if they if they're gonna win, they just gotta outscore people. And when you get into the playoffs, that's not gonna happen every night. Uh, so I, they're not gonna cakewalk to the. I mean, I, I I think I still think they come out of these, but I don't think it's gonna be easy as a lot of people think they are. And, and, and talk about the Bucks. I mean, they have some guys that have really gave the Grizzlies trouble. Drew Holiday is a guy who's always given the Grizzlies trouble. Vincent Tenzo is always another guy that gives the Grizzlies problem. Brooke Lopez is the type of guy that that JV struggles with because he steps out and knocks down three. So they, they cause some matchup problems with the Grizz even without under the Kumpo. So if, whether he plays or not, this is going to be a tough game. And again, I think I said three and four, uh, kind of when we talked about this road trip before. And I think if you look at these first two games, I think if you can get a split, which tomorrow night is definitely the most likely, I, I, I think you're okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm definitely good with that. That's uh Still going to be a tough game. Like you say, the Bucks are a good team, even whether Giannis is playing or not. And he's not going to be 100%. Even if he is playing, he's going to have to get back into game shape. And, what, you know, I don't know how many how many minutes did he play tonight. Do you know? Uh, I wonder if he's if they've got him on a minutes restriction. But, you know, it's going to take some time. He, he's missed quite a bit of time with his knee injury, and they're going to play it safe. They want him healthy for the playoffs. The, the regular season does not matter, and they know that. So that they want him to be healthy. And they've got plenty of weapons that they could uh, they could definitely beat the Grizzlies even without him. I actually I like the Giannis uh, Brook Lopez matchup for one reason. Lopez can stretch the floor, but he's not as quick as some of the other bigs that can stretch the floor. And so I think that Giannis can probably play up a little bit more on him than what he generally does because he doesn't have to worry about the blow by with Lopez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. He, he played 25 minutes tonight. Uh, they had 15 points, five rebounds, a knockdown of three, seven to 12 from the field. So, uh, did play the uh, Brett Bryant Forbes at 22 minutes. I was going to say he played the lowest amount of minutes amongst the starters, but definitely he would have usually played more minutes than that because Middleton played 34, Holiday played 34, Lopez had 31. Uh, Jeff Teague even had 27 off the bench. Compton played 26, so they even played more than them off the bench. Bobby Portis with 22 minutes. So, Definitely not his requisite minutes. We'll see. I guess they'll probably evaluate how he feels after this game, but they got to win 120 to 109 in Atlanta tonight. Uh, so he did play 25 minutes, so he is back. So that'll be something to watch going into Saturday night. 
Uh, after Saturday against the Bucks, then they they get an off day. They travel to Elevation. They're playing in yeah. Denver. Bad news for Jamal Murray, torn ACL. Or was it ACL or meniscus with him? It's ACL. Yeah, man. Yeah, just you could tell when he landed and he grabbed that knee, man. It was, it it was just bad. It was a bad scene. And he's a huge part of that Nuggets team. But I don't consider this one dodging anything. No, because (laughs) the Nuggets had a fairly good insurance policy. They signed uh, Faku Compazzo. Yeah, in the off season, and he's not a name that a lot of people know, but he has two Euro League championships, and the guy's not going to score like Murray. But they traded for Aaron Gordon; he can score. And Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton can step it up. There's plenty. They have guys that can fill it up. And, and Capazzo, the MVP, yes, <laughs> yeah. That's so. I mean, you don't even have to mention him if you know <laughs> if you don't know about Jokic and the Nuggets. What well, what do you even listen to the show for? But like. Composo's a wizard with the ball, so yeah, he gave his ball for that first matchup. So yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's, you, you don't get the explosive scoring from Composo that that you get from uh, Jamal Murray, but he he's not a guy to take lightly for sure. No, not not at all. Like I said, he gave Grizzly some some problems in that that first matchup, and for some reason, those type of guys always uh, give give the Grizzlies problems. I don't know. There's certain guys and that fit a certain mold, and he's that guy that, that the Grizzlies always seem to struggle with. Because going into that matchup, uh, everybody thought, oh, well, uh, well, well Ja will, will, will dominate him when he's in the in the game. And that wasn't the case at all. I mean, they really struggle against them. And anytime, I mean, that team is so tough at home. You're playing at altitude. Uh, I think Michael Porter Jr. had a really big game uh, here at Memphis. And we all know what Jokic can do. Uh, but but JV usually, when they play against Jokic, he usually goes pretty big. Because, I mean, I can tell that he takes that matchup perfect uh personally going against his your league mate there uh so it's it that's 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 gonna be a tough one though i mean they played the nuggets twice on this trip and, and i think uh i i think that and i said three and four i think they find a way to win one of those i, I don't know if it'll be this one or it'll be the second one but i think somehow they find a way to win one of those but um it, it, it's tough i mean but you never know in the league just sometimes you, you you might catch a team they might be resting someone on the back-to-back you just never know what happens, but I, but I think if they if they one of those two Nuggets games. I think they find a way to win one of them. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's you know they they hung with them. They've played with them already this year, and I think that the Grizzlies they're playing really good basketball right now. And you know even these even though these teams that they're going in here against are some of the top of the top teams in the league, I still like their odds, man. This team, the Grizzlies team, is deep. They're playing well, and you don't really. You know, one through about seven, eight, you don't really lose a whole lot. Whenever these guys are, you know, when you're bringing Clark and Tyus, when you're bringing these guys off the bench that that are still playing at a high level, it it makes a difference. And I think that, you know, that that is going to be something that's extremely important for this Grizzlies team going into this last month or so of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're, they're unique uh, and different from a lot of teams. A lot of teams have one, two, three guys that are, that just kind of, that they, they ride for, for, and that's, that's what they do. But the Grizzlies have like 10 guys on their team. And if all these guys are playing well, they can compete with these, these teams that have two or three guys that they kind of use. Cause I mean, they have depth that the other teams just don't have. They have more depth than, a lot of the top teams in the league, 
Um, and that's really, really making a statement. Um, and, and I think that's that's how they win games because they just have a bunch of good players. Um, and, and this and that's and I think that's that shows you how what reason why they're able to win games missing guys because they have so much depth. I mean, you miss a guy like Jared Jackson Jr. with a young team like this, you think they'd be toast. And they that hasn't been the case. I mean, this team is right there in the mix for a play in and, and, and playoff spot. And and I think again that's a testament to to the players they have on this team, especially on the wing. I mean, they just have they have four, five and six playable playable wings, and most teams would, would have to be hard pressed to, to put three guys out there that can really belong in the NBA rotation. So that's just kind of kind of their strength right now. And uh, again, that's why they've been able to kind of tread water without Jared so far this year. Yeah, moving on. Next game, they get a day off after Denver. They travel to Los Angeles to play the Clippers. They've split the season series so far, and this is another one that, that can really go either way. You never know who you're going to see with the Clippers, whether Kawhi is resting, Paul George is resting. That there's They have other weapons other than those two guys, obviously. Reggie Jackson has been playing well when those guys have been setting out. Uh, Rondo, I don't think he's played a whole lot for them, and, and regular season Rondo doesn't even concern me at all. Because it's like Rondo doesn't take the regular season seriously, so he doesn't really play all that hard. This is a game I think the Grizzlies can definitely they, – they've beat them already this year. I think that they could win this game. I think this is – so far out of these first four, I, I like them winning the Bulls game and then winning this game at uh, at Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, for, for some reason throughout the years, they've always seemed to be able to take a couple games off the Clippers a year. I think they won at L.A. last year in a blowout. Um, and it was a game Kawhi played in that game, and they really put it on the Clippers last year. And um, I think that's the game where uh, – that might have been – it might have been two years ago. Uh, but they've always seemed to – they they, they you know, get blown out in the game by the Clippers, but they always seem to have a couple where they either win or play really well. So I do think that they could play – that this is a game that they could win. I think you, you get a split in the first two. I think you look at, at Nuggets, at Clippers, if you can win one of those and split those. And again, I think that's just kind of – how you how you do take one out of every two, and I think you'd be good on this trip. So I could definitely see them winning one of those two games. Again, I think that they won one of the Nuggets games. Whether it be the first one or be the second one, who knows? But the Clippers is definitely a game, and I think they could go in as a prize. We saw them get a blowout win in the back-to-back here in Memphis. So they definitely can beat that team, and I think they feel confident that they can. Yeah, yeah, it's not a uh, – I, I don't – and there may not be any team at all, but, you know, some teams you just kind of go into it and it's like, yeah, the Clippers on paper are a better team, but the Grizzlies are not scared of anybody. And they're definitely, you know, the way that they've played against them, it's not a team that is, uh, there's no intimidation there at all. Uh, after uh, Wednesday's game, they travel again, day off on Thursday. Then they have two games in Portland on Friday and Sunday. And these are, are both of these makeup games, I think, because we yeah. had, uh, they we had, had back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Th- a- this is from the, um, from the when the when the Grizzlies got shut down earlier in the year with the uh, the health and safety protocols, and they shut the entire team down. So th- this is making those games up, and I think Isaac has mentioned it before. The Grizzlies were playing well heading into that, and the Blazers were missing C.J. McCollum and yeah. Nurkic, and now both of those guys are back and they're getting healthier. Nurkic is ramping his minutes up. Um, the, the the Blazers are not playing. Very, they're they're not playing great basketball right now. They're five and five, in their last ten. But I think that I like this matchup with them missing two guys more than I do with everybody healthy. 
little technical difficulties there. We we lost each other mid conversation, so we're gonna pick it back up. We were talking about the uh, the Blazers games here, and I was just uh, speaking on how I liked it before everybody got healthy, and Isaac was chiming in here with 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 his idea on the matchup. I think I pretty well got all of my thoughts out before we lost each other. So I'll let you take it from here, Isaac. Yeah, I think that's this kind of a, a rivalry matchup. I don't think either one of these teams, I don't think there's any love lost between them. I think anytime they see each other on the schedule, I think both teams will be fired up. So I, I don't see any way. I don't think one team wins both games. I think we get a get a split here. Uh, and these games are important because I, I, I kind of mentioned earlier how I feel like Dallas might not be really the team that the Grizzlies are chasing. Maybe it's Portland. I think. Dallas might end up in that sixth spot, and Portland could be the team that drops down to seven. And the Grizzlies have three matchups with this team in close proximity. They have these two, and, and immediately after this road trip, they have another game here in Memphis. So they have an opportunity to possibly take three games against them. Now, I'm not saying they're going to take three, but the opportunity is there, and I think these will be big games. And I think the Grizzlies kind of remember back to last year what happened in the bubble. I think these teams uh, kind of see each other's rivalry, and I think the Grizzlies are going to be fired up, and I think they take at least one of these two. Yeah, I think it's going to be crucial for them to win two out of these three games against them. The Mavericks are a game back of Portland right now in the standings for the sixth seed. And I think if Grizzlies go into, they play them three times over the course of six days, five days. Yeah, because they play them Sunday. They play them Friday, Sunday, and then Wednesday of the following week. So, so. If the Grizzlies lose two out of three in this, it kind of puts them in a bad spot. They're going to have a hard time jumping yeah. over. Dallas has got a good shot of of catching Portland and moving them back into the the seventh spot. If the if the Grizzlies lose two out of three against Portland, Portland is pretty much in command of that seven spot, and the Grizzlies would have a really tough time getting over the top of them. So I the Grizzlies, in my opinion, need to win two out of these three against them. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, and, and I think they can. Um, again, I mean, I think you get uh, one of these two out in Portland or, or get both of them. Uh, I, mean, th- I mean, I think that'll be kind of tough to do, but again, with three games here, any way you win two of them, I think that puts you puts you in pretty good position. Um, again, I wish we could have had these games back because Grizzlies had a lot of momentum before that shutdown uh, with, with those with those two games, and um, you're going to miss uh, McCollum and, and Nurkic. And now you have to play them with, with both of those guys. But, uh, again, I think this is – I love the game, these games between these teams. I mean, they've been high-intensity games. I think we'll see something very similar to what we saw against Dallas uh, here. And the home court advantage is not as prevalent this year with, of course, uh, not a lot of fans in the arena. So, I think the Grizzlies can take care of business. I think they'll win one of those two. They finish uh, in on Monday. They travel Sunday night after they play Portland. They travel back to Denver to play the Nuggets. And I think that that one is going to be tough. I like their odds in the first game yeah, as opposed to the second one because playing they're playing those two games at Portland. So when they get to Portland on Thursday, they don't travel again until Sunday night. So they're, they're going to be more rested against Portland. But both of these Portland games, they're going to have to exert a lot of energy to to win these games. And win or lose, they're going to be putting effort into both of them. I'm worried about, you know, the amount of games and the days that we're we're playing here, and then the traveling from Portland back to yeah. Denver into that elevation. How they're going to handle that? 
it, it's yeah. I'm I wouldn't be surprised right here, you know, going back onto this. I hate to I'm not a big fan of the the scheduled loss thing, but sometimes that just is what it is. And uh, and I think that Monday against the Nuggets may fall into uh, into the schedule loss. That, yeah, I 100% agree. It's a, it's a back-to-back. Uh, again, you get away game, last game of a seven-game road trip. Uh, you, you, you're going to be going home uh, that night after that game. And, again, you, you're traveling at altitude. I, I think you could probably see some some guys rested in that game. I think for sure with the way this team operates, I, I doubt that we'll have a full couple of players in that game. And I think that's going to be a tough one. If they're going to beat them, I think the best, like you said, I think the best opportunity would be that third game of this road trip uh, on next Monday. So I think that's going to be a tough one. And, again, I think that could be, just like you said, I think that could be a schedule loss, especially coming off what I think will be two great games against Portland. I just think they they might have a little bit of tied legs in that one. All right, man. So we've got uh, nine games for the rest of this month. Which one is Jaron coming back in? Oh, man. I mean, I, just, I, thought, he, I, I thought for sure he'd be back this week. I mean, I kind of. Uh, said on the last podcast and, and made a prediction which didn't come true. I thought uh, last night would have been a great opportunity to bring him back. Even uh, the game before then, um, on, on Monday, uh, would, would have been a great opportunity for him to come back. But, um, I mean, especially when you, when you saw the, the magnitude of the game last night with the opportunity to get a half game in the seven, I thought that would be a big spot. National television at home just kind of a, a, a would have been a great time to, to bring him back. But, Look on this road trip, and I, and I always kind of thought that they wouldn't bring him back on a road trip, but now I'm kind of hoping that's the case. I, a long time ago, a couple several weeks ago, when we first started talking about this, when they announced that he would be back by the end of the month, I was predicting um, that that game, that Monday, that Wednesday game against the Blazers, when they came back home. Now, looking at this, I'm hoping he comes back before then, but you just never know with this team. I don't know what they're thinking because, again, I felt like he's been ready to go for a while, so I don't know what they do. Um, I, I guess, and I hate to say this, but I, I'm going to stick with that. I, I, I think he doesn't come, he doesn't return until they come back home, and that's really late, and I hope that's not the case, but I, I, I'm with the way this team is operated, that's going to be my prediction, and my original prediction Wednesday, I think that's the 28th, I want to say, of the month against the Blazers. I think that's when he comes back, but hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I would definitely like to see him in more games, but I'm with you on that one. It, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, because they say we hear it, he'll be back into the month. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it, if it wasn't uh, until the 30th against the Magic for him to return. It, it does give him a little bit of time. You know, he'll have they, – they've got a, a pretty rough last week, but it gives him the last two weeks to kind of get in game shape before this play-in tournament because it's really the, – the Grizzlies are more – they're likely to be in this, this play-in tournament. They would have to completely collapse – and this last month of the season here are go on one heck of a burning streak to climb up into six to miss this play-in tournament. And I, I don't know that either one of those things are going to happen. I think it's going to be more middle of the road. Yeah. So he'll, he'll have a couple weeks here at the end of the season to get his legs back under him, get him healthy, and then we'll have him for the play-in. Yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of what you want. Okay? Let him get some time to kind of get a little bit of a groove. I don't think we'll see – what we saw at the end of the end of season before he got hurt last year. I don't know if we'll see that at all this year unless they win in the play and get into the playoffs and get into the series and get more more time. I mean, maybe we'll see him get closer to 100% by then, but he's been out so long that I don't think we'll see peak Jaron at any point 
this this year, which which kind of sucks. But again, I mean, I, hopefully long term, this time off helps him long term, and that he's 100 percent healthy going into next year. But uh, again, I mean, whatever you can get out of him this year, as long as he stays healthy, I think it's it, it's a plus. Uh, I just wish he could have came back a little bit earlier. But I, I think when they said end of the month, we, I think with the way this team is handled, we should have taken him literally. I think that could be what ends up happening. But real quick, man, and I want to mention this. Uh, I saw a, a great quote by Blake Murphy. I think he covers the the Raptors for the Athletic. Um, he was and, uh, and Peter has been commenting on this and said this this is a microcosm of what the Grizzlies have been this year. Uh, the absence of bad players is sometimes nearly as valuable as the presence of really good players. And I think that really does describe this Grizzlies team. I mean, we, we talked about that a minute ago. Uh, they don't necessarily have these superstar players that we have guys that could be that in the future, but they aren't really that right now. But they have a lot of really good players, and sometimes that carries you to wins. That's the reason why they've been able to beat some of these good teams because sometimes the collection of, of really good, well, good players can overvalue, be as valuable as you have in these superstars. And I, and I think that's that's kind of what we've seen from this team. So I thought that was that was kind of a, a neat quote. Yeah, I think the uh... – one one huge thing is that there doesn't seem to be a ton of me ego guys. I, I don't. I say there doesn't seem to be a ton. I don't know outside of maybe one or two. But I think that even the guys that have that ego that you know play with a chip, I think even those guys are team oriented. You know, yeah. it's not. It's not really there's nobody on this team that it has to be all about them. There may be things that they have issues with, but there's no, there's nobody that's toxic on this team. And, and I love that. I hate, you know, you go back over history and you look at, at players and one that's still playing right now that him being kind of a, a locker room issue are, are maybe not a lot. And not, that's the, that's the wrong. He's not been a locker room issue that he's he's a selfish player and and it's costing because he's been one of the, the best to play the game. Carmelo Anthony yeah, is a guy that about. He, he was, he's very, very skilled again, one of the best to ever play the game, but he was so self-centered that he couldn't play with anybody else. And that's what has kept him from getting a championship. And I hate it. You know, I, I don't dislike him at all. Not, not by any measure, but his attitude kept him from winning a championship. And, and that's, uh, I, I don't want to see that for anybody. And I think that you can go back and, and there's other guys, um, you know, you, you can, you can argue that Barkley is another guy that was like yeah. that as well. And that there doesn't appear to be any of those guys on this roster right now. And that that's a, a great thing to have. And it's important to win in a championship. If you have somebody that is selfish has to be all about me. You are going to struggle in this league to win a title. Yeah, and I'll always, with Carmelo, I always look back to that time he was a free agent where he had the opportunity to go to Chicago. I always feel like it would have been better for him if he had went to Chicago. He went back to New York uh, and, and, and took the money. And I think Chicago would, I think would have, would have kind, of, kind of maybe changed the trajectory of his career. I think he made a mistake there, but he took the money uh, and decided to go back to New York. But I think he kind of, kind of made a mistake there. I think when you talk about what what you just brought up i think db is obviously the name that most people would bring up kind of in that vein on this team and, and with db i don't i don't think it's necessarily selfish i think people i think he gets miscast sometimes i think everything when db 
when he takes bad shots, I think he's doing what he feels like he needs to do to win. I think it's all in the vein of winning. I think that's what he's trying to do. I don't think it's just like, oh, well, I'm just going to go out here and take all these shots. I think he feels like when he takes those shots, he can make them and it's going to help the team win. I don't think it's just like he wants to get up a bunch of shots. I think he feels like he's a scorer and this team needs him to score and he's going to put up these shots and sometimes he doesn't make them and they look bad at the time. But I don't, I don't think it's just because he's been selfish or trying to take shots away from other guys. I just think he, he wants to win so bad and he feels like he's one of the only – well, this this year has been a little bit better, but you go back to last year, he feels like he's one of the only scorers on his team and he has to take some of those shots at times. And sometimes they look bad, but I don't think it's because he's a selfish guy. Yeah, I think, you know, the only thing that worries me at all with him was going back to the Garrett Temple thing. And that is, there's always two ways to look at something. In my opinion, I think that you should have started the younger guy to see what you got. Um, you know, obviously, bigger staff did not think so. And there there was a little bit of friction there. So, you know, a lot of people think that Dylan's ideal role is role is the sixth man coming off the bench being the scoring guy. And I just wonder if he would be, you know, if he would accept that role and we don't know, it's all speculation unless it, you know, we get to that point and they get a, they draft somebody that they feel needs to be in the starting lineup and they want him to come off of the bench. And so seeing how he handles that and honestly with his development and his growth this season, we may not ever get to that point. There's been a ton of interviews with him talking about things that he needs to do to improve. His vision has improved. He's gotten a lot smarter on the defensive end. He's playing with high intensity, and he's not getting into that early foul trouble where he's missing a ton of minutes. And it was one of the coaches that talked about, man, I can't remember which coach it was, but he said that Dylan knows that they need him to be an efficient scorer, not necessarily a high-volume scorer, but in a, uh, an efficient scorer. And so he's been more focused on that. And since that coach has said that, Dylan has been playing fairly efficient. He's had a game here or there where it was, you know, it was not great. But overall, he, he's been playing, you know, shooting the ball, taking good shots, smart shots, and and being a lot more efficient. And that's that's the best version of him. High intensity on defense, guards the best player on the other team, does a great job of it, and then an efficient score on the other end that can knock down the three or, or mid-range. I think the uh, probably 12 to 18-foot range, which is not an analytical shot, but that's his money, man. When, you know, when he gets in there around the, uh, you know, the elbow, the free throw line, and he's shooting, I'm confident it's going in 100% of the time. Yeah, uh, same here, and Going back to that that Garrett Temple situation in that year, I think he's definitely matured since then. And back then, he would come in off the bench and they think he'd have to make up the shots that he wasn't getting. And I think that was kind of what he was trying to do. He tried to get his shots in while he was on the floor. Uh, but I think he's definitely matured since then. And for a while, for a long time, especially before this season, I was kind of a, of the thought that maybe when when this team becomes a finished product was we talked about two three years down the line whatever that is that he probably wouldn't be on this team but watching this year i'm starting to think that he might be a part of this future long term like when this team is really good he could be part of this future now could that be as a sixth man and we you kind of talk about that would he accept that role who, who knows but but i think at this point i think he's matured to the point to where i i think he if given an opportunity I think he would be okay. I don't think it would be 
the same as we saw uh, back, back then. But, again, we'll see in the future if, if he ends up in that role, they find someone by trade or draft someone that ends up being that waiting star that they're looking for. Uh, could he accept that role? Because I think he could thrive in that role as that instant offense guy off the bench, six-man guy that can come down and knock shots down for you. I think he could thrive in that role. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But but now I'm a lot more confident that, that he could be a part of that future. And before this year, I, I was a little bit on a different thought, tra- thought train on, on that. Yeah, a t- ton of growth from him this year, man. And, and I, there is not – Anybody on the planet that is happier to see this dude go from where he was last year to where he is now. And, you know, it's not a huge, oh, you know, he's making an all-star leap, but just the growth. Cause I, I like him. I like his attitude. I like the, the way that he, he plays on the floor, how hard he goes. I like everything about him flaws and all, you know, that there's stuff that I wish that he would do differently. He's been working on that. Love to see it. And there's nobody happier than me to see Dylan Brooks getting better and improving. And I do. I hope that he uh, I hope he stays a, a Grizzly for a long time. Yeah, uh, 100% agree, man. I'm a big, big fan of his and, and the critics have, have quieted down. I don't think lately you haven't seen as much criticism of him. That has not been the, the topic among Grizz Nation. And I think that's good to see in a testament to the improvements that he made. Again, I always go back to the bubble and I think he was extremely frustrated with how things went there and, and how things ended. And I think he went to lab and, and, and kind of worked on his shortcomings over the summer. And we've, we've seen the, the fruits of that uh, this season. He's definitely not the same guy that he was last year. And, and he's shown growth and shown that he's willing to accept coaching. So that's kind of what makes me think that it may be, maybe that he would accept that role if they had a real alpha guy in, in that position that just clearly – the guy that needs to be starting there, I, I think he might be able to accept their role. And I'm, I, 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 you again, we've talked about this so much. You need a guy like that on your team. I mean, I, I love his intensity, uh, the way that he wants to guard the, the best player on the opposing team. I like that attitude. And I think on a championship team or a winning team, you need guys like that. Yep. I agree with you. Man, you got anything else on this before we get out of here? No, man. I think we I think we pretty much got it covered, man. The Grizzlies start this big seven game road trip uh, tomorrow night at Chicago. I think if you could get get three three wins, three go three and four, I think you're good. Anything above that, I think you're doing really well. Uh, we we had a a tough East Coast swing, and we were talking about man trying to go two and two, and they end up going three and one. Should have been four and zero. Oh, so who knows, man? Maybe they go out here and they've been playing well on the road. So let's might, might as well keep it going here. Starting tomorrow night in Chicago, which they. Looks like they get a break with no no Levine, so I'm excited about it. It's going to be a, a test for these young squad. And this is the the, the toughest preventing part of the schedule. If they can tread water through this, I think they're going to be fine. You're looking at the standings right now, and I think there's only uh, the Sacramento's out of it at this point. I think the Grizzlies are maybe six games ahead of them. I think they're pretty much out of it. I think you got 11 teams for 10 spots, so I feel really good about where the Grizzlies are right now. Yep, I agree with you, man. Guys, I hadn't talked about them in a while. We've been doing these post games, so I hadn't put it in here. But we are still partnered here at HoopBall with MyBookie.ag. Best online sports book out there. More lines, better odds for the player than anywhere else. Their motto is easy. You bet, you win, and you get paid. Go over and check them out. Use our promo code HoopBall. They're going to match your initial deposit. And when you get that done, go find Dan on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, and he's got a gift for you. Again, that's mybookie.ag, best online sportsbook out there. Go and check them out. Let them know that we sent you by using our promo code HOOPBALL. It helps us out. You win money. They run 
odds boost that are impossible. Essentially, nothing is impossible. But I'll give you the last odds boost that they ran was the start of the baseball season. And all that had to happen was one team score a run. Didn't matter who it was. One of the teams had to score a run and you win the bet. There's no gimmicks about it. You go in, you make the deposit, you make the bet, you win it. You can withdraw that money immediately. They don't make you reuse it. They Nothing. Odds boost. They run them all the time. They they tend to do it at the beginning of the season. They've done one with basketball. They've done some with football, college. Go check them out. More lines, better odds than anything else or any other sports book out there. MyBookie.ag. And we'll get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at HoopballGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, tell them where they can get you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, man. Always on talking Grizz, so check me out there. Uh, Grizz is at Bulls tomorrow night, and we'll be back tomorrow night with a post game. Uh, until then, um, this is Isaac for David. Go Grizz. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.